The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Chicago Bears lose their season opener to the Green Bay Packers 10-3 on a miserable night at Soldier Field. I bring on Bill Zimmerman to react on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, Bears fans, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast that's turned into a bit of an instant reaction podcast as I, Robert Schmitz, am going to be reacting quickly to every Bears game that we see throughout the rest of the season. This game was obviously a doozy and didn't leave us with a ton of positive to talk about. And with that in mind, I'm going to bring in a second voice in the form of Bill Zimmerman, a good friend of mine, to help me chew through this meatball of a game so that we can try to find what positives there were and what negatives we need to improve on. So let's not wait any longer. Let's jump on Skype now and talk to Bill. And now we are joined by the man himself, Bill Zimmerman, who... I'll just go ahead and break the news, is going to be joining our Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. Bill, how are you? Well, that's a great question, Robert, and I don't know if I have words to describe how I'm feeling right now. So so let's see if this is a little cathartic for us, shall we? No kidding. So I'll certainly go ahead and start us off because Bears fans, I just... I just want to put this out there. We've spent an entire offseason talking about how this team was going to be good. So let's just go ahead and lay it all out there on the table. This offensive performance was terrible. This casts some really bad light on Mitch Trubisky. There's just no way around it. But what does that light show us? What do we see? We'll have to we're going to get into that and we'll talk about that a little bit. So, Bill, let's start out with, um, I guess, general impressions. I'll I'll kick it to you. What do you think? My general impressions are, as you can imagine, negative. Um, let me start over on the defensive side of the ball before we get to the, the offense defense, a lot more positives than negatives. But there were some things that still stood out. I'm, I'm going to dwell on the negatives right now. If we want to try and put some silver linings around things later let's do that but looking at the negatives of the defense they look they did a great job you bottle up Aaron Rodgers you give up 10 points to Aaron Rodgers you should never complain about the defensive performance Mm -hmm. they didn't bring steady pressure but they did get to Aaron Rodgers so it's a little inconsistent there there were there were plays where Aaron Rodgers had seven seconds to throw the football you can never do that for him Mm -hmm. there were other times where I, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Sometimes it's tough to analyze until you can really look at the all 22 and see exactly, exactly what was happening. In the secondary. But there were Packers that were wide open, sometimes 10, 15 yards wide open, pretty deep in the secondary. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there were defensive breakdowns going on there. I'm not sure if Rogers picked apart a Pagano play call. I'm not sure what happened. That's something we're going to have to look at this week. But so the, even as well as the defense performed, as well as they got, you know, the, what the five sacks on Rodgers, mm-hmm. there was a lot of good there, but there were still negatives that, you know, and I hate to play the Pagano Fangio card that you didn't <laughs> see as much last year with Vic Fangio. I guess what's hard for me, and first things first, I should absolutely mention and just second that until we see the all 22, we are just guessing. And we'll probably come out with more each individually, maybe together, who really knows, uh, on more analytical content going through exactly what happened on this horrific Thursday night. Uh, But 
I know that I I kind of agree with your first statement on a day, on a game where we can complain so much about what happened with Matt Nagy, what happened with Mitch Trubisky, why did the young play uh, the young players like Anthony Miller and David Montgomery, who certainly seemed like he was producing, just evaporate? I ended up pretty happy with Chuck Pagano. We knew he were gonna we knew he was gonna bring pressure. He did. It wasn't steady, but. There's part of me, and look, I don't know whether this is me as a jaded Bears fan that's seen our team fail in different ways over time, but I was happy we got, what was it, four sacks, five sacks? We brought Rodgers down. We brought Rodgers down a lot, which isn't to say, hey, kudos, perfect job, Chuck, but exactly like you mentioned at first, Bill, I'll play just a little on the other side of the coin. When the game ends 10 to 3, I'm pretty happy we hailed Aaron Rodgers to 10 points, especially because around that second quarter, early third quarter, it sure looked like the guy was starting to get cooking. And I was really worried that we were going to be able to hold him to, at that point, it was seven. Uh, Ultimately, when it comes to that defensive end, I don't know. I thought he looked way better uh, in the preseason than he did certainly tonight. But whatever Deion Bush was doing in there, uh, on that series where Rodgers cooked him for the long gain and then beat him again for the touchdown, that was... That's a rough way <laughs> to display yourself to the fans after three years on the bench. That was that was not good from Bush. I completely agree. The honestly, the player on defense that was most alarming to me tonight was Kyle Fuller. I felt mm-hmm. like in a lot of times Kyle Fuller looked like he did three years ago, and we're like, this guy's a bust. Now I expect Kyle Fuller to get better. I'm not sitting there; the sky is falling with Kyle Fuller. He was an All Pro last year. He was yeah. very good. The before that so i'm not panicking about kyle fuller but Mm -hmm. he was the guy bush as well that i mean he got picked on and that's not something we saw last season uh you know we saw mukamara get get burnt too i mean that's going to happen with aaron Rodgers. we 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 Mm -hmm. understand that so again i'm happy overall with what i saw from chuck pagano and again when you when you make the old the old cliche statement if you told me the packers were only going to score 10 points i would have signed up a second and of course you would have signed up for it. Mm-hmm. It's always tough. Exactly. I'll echo that. Talking about defensive breakdowns is always hard because of it reminds me of pitching in baseball. Everything looks like a bad pitch when it gives up a run, but then you look at you know all baseball pitchers and you say, well, they're going to give up runs at some point. And that's not to excuse Pagano of some of the mistakes that I agree. There were some of those high zone concepts that I was like, dude, what are you doing? This is Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. Because one thing that I know I was feeling, and I'm sure you were feeling it too, If there was a play, because there was probably about seven of them that I can think of where Aaron didn't look like he was pressured at all. My very first thought was, oh, no, because you knew something nasty was on its way because Pagano was trying to send some kind of pressure package at Green Bay pretty much all night. So if something didn't get home, you knew somebody was wide open. And I remember that play where Devontae Adams had just limped off the field and his backup comes on to convert a really long first down wide open with what looked like Kyle Fuller kind of playing a pseudo safety look. That was that was ugly. But hey, maybe that's just going to be part of his scheme. We always said coming in that we were going to give up more plays because we were going to get more plays. And that is what it looked like tonight. So at least we got what we knew we were going to get. Now, moving to the more problematic side of the field where I would say we did not get what we thought we were going to get. What do you think happened to this offense over the course of an offseason? All right, I, I'm going to say one quick thing on Pagano before we move over to the offense, and that is we 100 you you exactly right. We 100% said we're going to get more plays, but we're going to give up plays. But I'll tell you what, and you sit there and you say, well, that's how it's going to be. And, and you, you, you strategize <laughs> to it in your head all offseason. And then when it happens and you see Pagano bring the house and you're like, oh, God, set, get, get to him, get to him, get to him, because mm-hmm. you're panicked that Rodgers is going to get it off to a guy who's wide open for a 50-yard game. So that's just going to, you know, it's going to be a more nerve-wracking defense, yeah. but it's still obviously a good one that makes plays. But offensively, all right, I mean, there's there's multiple things to, to look at here. First of all, I mean, I guess we start with Mitch Trubisky. That's yeah, I the guess we have to. That's, that's where you have to start is just there were a lot of, concerns with how you saw Mitch Trubisky play. And and the thing is, is Trubisky's married to Nagy, as we know, in, in this offense. And Mitch Trubisky, I, the more I watch him, you, he needs to be put in a position to succeed. 
He's not a guy who's just going to be able, I know he's going to be able to create with his feet and do some, some good things, but you got to put him in a position to succeed. And he wasn't there tonight. And Matt Nagy, and there were a couple games last year, especially the first half of the Eagles game when everyone knew he should be picking at the, at the corners and the secondary, and he didn't do it. And, and we're, we're the, the, the next game now. I know it's eight months later. It's the next game. And you just sat there. And I don't know what I was watching offensively. It was, I was like, I was watching, you know, I was like John Fox, Dow Logans. It was like worse than that. I'd rather go back to Jordan Howard getting 35 carries a yeah. game. I just, I don't know what we were doing offensively. It was really frustrating. One thing that I'll cite before we talk about anything else, I saw on Twitter, I have not verified it, so we'll just stay in the world of generalities. But uh, I know some, a lot of Bears fans love play calling balance between the run and the pass. And tonight, if I read the number correctly, Nagy called in the neighborhood of 52 passes to 13 runs, which is obviously lopsided when you're talking about a guy who I don't think most people would consider Trubisky a 50 plus uh, pass a game quarterback. Certainly not yet, but I mean, I don't know what certainly comes to mind to me. One thing that's really hard when you're talking about play calling versus quarterback play is if the quarterback doesn't execute the play call, you don't really know what it is. Certainly it looks like a terrible play call. If you take a shotgun snap, uh, part of the pocket caves in, but it's enough for theoretically say Ben Roethlisberger to step up and make it throw. But Trubisky doesn't. And he dumps it off on like a third down and we get two yards to Mike Davis or something like that. You say, why isn't he going downfield? Well, maybe, Nagy did I, and we just don't know because back to the first part we don't have that all 22 and and that's where I sit everybody's on one side of the fence or the other we're kind of going back and forth and I could already hear it between Bears fans was it the play calling was it Trubisky because gosh it looked like both at different points in this game that Cordero Patterson, I'll pass it to you right after this, but that Cordero Patterson run where it was obvious he was back in what was, it wasn't quite the eye formation, but you've got Patterson kicked back 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Bradley Sowell's in there. Everybody in the world knows we're running it up the middle. And good, lo and behold, Mike Pettin sends a bunch of guys up the middle and the Bears lose four yards. That was, oh, that was bad. That, that was bad. And I've got a few other plays I'll, I'll highlight as well. But to, to some of your points that you were making there, the pass-to-run ratio was hideous. Abysmal. Hideous. And I think it was Kevin Fishbane on Twitter. I believe, maybe I'm citing the wrong uh, beat writer. I think it was Fishbane who said that when Trubisky has thrown more than, I think it's 36 passes in a game in his career, I think he's one in six. So to the, to the idea of a balanced offense, that's it right there. They abandoned the run. You, you know, you saw Montgomery make a couple nice plays there. They completely abandoned the run. I believe uh, Jonathan Wood from uh, the Bears blog said that at some point, they, towards the end of the game, the Bears threw 35 straight passes or some obscene thing. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to come up on the play-by-play, but you cannot do that, especially with a young developing quarterback that you don't even know what you have. You know, and like you said, a lot of the times, maybe Roethlisberger or a quarterback like that can step up and make a play down the field a little bit. The one thing I will say, when NBC pulled back and kind of gave us what the secondary looked like, what Mitch Trubisky was seeing, the Packers secondary a lot of times was on the Bears receivers like glue. I looked at it, I don't know who he's supposed to throw to. Yeah. So I uh, in some cases, I'll give Trubisky a, a, a pass, but at the same time, when that's happening, the whole idea of Matt Nagy's offense and Matt Nagy, the offensive guru, is that he's going to create space for his players. It may only be six yards down the field, but he's going to create space and let a guy like Tariq Cohen or Taylor Gabriel dance a little bit and see if they can turn a six-yard pass into a 20-yard game. We know a lot of what Nagy wants to do offensively, and he wasn't doing it or it, it wasn't being executed. The offensive line, that's another one we can get into. Like, I, I feel like my brain's running a lot faster than my, my mouth because there are so many problems offensively that basically you can take Allen Robinson and stick him over on the left and say, Allen Robinson, pat him on the back, say, good job. And then look at everyone else and say, put your head downs and you should be ashamed. 
Absolutely. First of all, big kudos to Allen Robinson, who looked phenomenal throughout the game. Given that the Bears just weren't able to muster up much offense at all, the performance that Robinson put out, certainly I think he gets this game off from criticism because he looked looked as good as you could ask for. Certainly that play, the back shoulder throw that was, uh, well, it was somebody else's back shoulder that Mitch threw to because it was about probably three, four, maybe five yards behind where I think it should have been. But thank heaven. Evans, Allen Robinson just stopped and waited for it. What kicked up with one foot because it was about all he could do to balance. That was a really nice play. But to get back to exactly what we're talking about. Oh, man, there is just so many things to criticize in this offense. Like after this game. People were uh, talking about how, of course, Matt Nagy was going to move up from 101 offense to 202 offense. And gosh, this was a game that I heard plenty of people say it on Twitter. And you almost want to go back to 101 because at least we were scoring some points. I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that that's actually the case. But like like you saw, I also saw that Packers secondary seemed to be right on our guys whenever they actually showed it. And that had me personally asking, okay, is is this Mitch's issue? Is this just an offensive issue? Because I'll tell you what, if there's one takeaway I got from this game, and it's certainly one that worries me, it's that Mike Pettin seemed to have identified that he could rattle Trubisky if he just threw him off his rhythm, take him out of the pocket, get him away from what Nagy wants the play to work like, and you might be able to put him in that headspace where a lot of us know he doesn't seem to perform all that well. Well, it worked in spades because that first half from Trubisky just... Not a lot of positives. I mean, he threw, I think it was three uh, passes that whether they should have been intercepted or could have been intercepted, we'll have to go back and review. But certainly he caught a couple of breaks there. And then he did get better in the second half. But that's when it certainly seemed as if the play calling kind of changed from let's have some semblance of a plan that isn't working to let's just start chucking up prayers. That uh, drive, one that sticks out to me is the drive where we went from first and 10 to first and 20 to first and 30, to first and 40, all on penalties, which is its own story in and of itself. But wow, there's there's going to be a lot to analyze between Nagy and Trubisky because it was it was a lot of ugly. And getting away from a running game that didn't fail us a whole lot was a really curious decision. But hey, it's one that Chicago Bears fans are always going to be out there to bang is let's get back to running the ball. Am I right? And, 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 and look, and I was a big uh, critic of Jordan Howard last year and, and I've, I've continued on that and I have no problem with the bears moving on. I think David Montgomery is going to be a much better fit. We saw it briefly with just a few plays because Mm -hmm. he just involved very much in the offense, but you know, like, like, like your point to, to a lot of what Nagy was doing, it wasn't working. And a couple of the things that he did that really stood out to me that I sit there and I go you know, you don't make the same mistake twice kind of thing. I felt like there were still things that Nagy was doing that he did last year that didn't work. The two that really stand out to me, one, fourth and 10 would have been a 50-yard field goal for Eddie Pinheiro, and he went for it. Not a 55, not a 58-yard field goal, 50. You, Eddie Pinheiro has a giant leg. I understand. We don't know how good he is. I get that. It's a big, it was, I believe seven to three at the time you cut it to a, a, a field, a one point field goal game, or even if the Packers come back down and score a touchdown, you're down eight. You're still down a touchdown and a two point conversion. He goes inexplicably for it on fourth and 10. That was a horrible decision. And the other one, when they had third inches, third and inches, you don't always have to get cute. And they decided to do a little roll, you know, a little fa- uh, play action, Mitch rollout. Is Shaheen, I think it was going to be Shaheen in the play. It was a disastrous play call. Mitch tried to, to make something happen. Nothing happened. I, you know, there, there's look, I love the naggy creativity sometimes and some of the fun stuff he does. But sometimes on third and inches, can we just run the ball and get a, get a first down? Can we just sometimes go back to basics? It, not everything has to be cute and fun. 
And that's, I think, what was complicated about it. Sometimes I think Nagy can take a look. This is me totally speculating, by the way. But I think Nagy can take a look at a situation and draw the wrong conclusion. For instance, with Patterson, he put his biggest guy back there and basically told the whole world he was going to run up the middle, which is kind of what you're saying you do on third and inches. And I don't disagree. Jordan Howard was really good at it. That's one of the things that in 2018, Jordan Howard did a great job at was saying, OK, it's third and one. I'm going to go get the yard. Uh in this case, it looked to me, and this is even more disturbing, in my opinion, like he wanted to run a play where he would pretend to hand it off and have Mitch just stand there as if he'd hold it, held it off or handed it off to, quote unquote, really sell the, the fake. And it, oh, the Packers didn't. I mean, they saw the ball. It was right there. And uh, the other guy didn't have it. And I don't know what was going on, but boy, to me, it looked like Matt Nagy got pushed off his rhythm and couldn't find himself in the world of BU. It looked to me like he kind of forgot what he was. I mean, that's obviously not a good thing. And I'm really trying to rationale or like find a rationale that makes any sense because this is the guy who we've all seen, uh, developed a, an offense that led the bears. Okay. Led the bears is a little, you know, that's a bit of a misnomer. It was a lot of defensive effort last year, but certainly helped steer the bears with Mitch Trubisky in like as the quarterback, to a 12 and four record and a really solid shot of advancing in the first round. Where'd that go? Like three points in 60 minutes of football against a defense that just, I don't think it's going to, let's put it this way. I don't think it's going to be in the top half of the league, but boy, if it is, it might be Mike Pettin because I thought he called a great game tonight, but in general uh, to, I guess, lay leave this off. One thing that really caught me off guard was, near the third, like end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, it sure looked like the Bears were just having Mitch Trubisky drop back and throw it deep. Like, that was the plan. We're going to drop back. We're going to throw it deep. We've been throwing it short all game. We're just going to go deep. And it started to look like just throwing up prayers at one point. And that's not a game plan. Like, that interception to Amos, great example. It didn't ever look to me like Robinson was open. So what was Mitch doing throwing that ball? Well, it certainly seemed like he'd made like predetermined that decision I'm going to be throwing this one deep and there's not a lot you can do to change my mind. And that seems very unnaggy, but who knows? Maybe we just haven't seen enough of Nagy. I don't know. Let me kick it back to you over here. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think your point is fair. And again, it's, it's tough to know exactly what happened, but you know, and Chris Collinsworth and, you know, take the good and the bad with, with, with his analysis, first of all. And he, I remember he did the same thing last year, complaining about how players don't play enough in the preseason. Enough, Chris. It's going away. Just deal with it. It's going to get mm-hmm. cut down the two. None of the starters are going to play. We're not going back to six preseason games like it was in the 1970s. Just give it a <laughs> breath. But the one thing Collinsworth hammers, which I think is a fair point, is talking about the how soon Trubisky gets rid of the ball. And that's to your point about his rhythm. You know, when it's less than two and a half seconds, Trubisky is dynamite. When it's more than two and a half seconds, and of course, that's when he starts going through his progressions, that's where Mitch struggles more. So to talk rhythm with Trubisky, I think the same thing goes for Nagy, where Nagy says, all right, this is going to work, this is going to work, and this is going to work. And I don't know how well, you know, we talk about how the plays are scripted last year, the first 15 plays, whatever it might be. And, you know, Trubisky was good, and then he struggled, and the fourth quarter, you get a little better again. I think Nagy's the same way, where... Nagy, you know, looks at a defensive, looks at the defensive film, decides what's going to work. And if it doesn't work, his, you know, the halftime adjustments, what he does in game, I haven't seen enough to really sit there and go, all right, this guy is going to outsmart the the other sideline. He may put in a a game plan that will work. And if the other sideline can't adjust, then we're going to sit there and see the Bears put up 27, 31, 34 points. But I have not seen Nagy be able to adjust where they take away his game plan, whatever that was today. I still haven't quite figured out what it was, no. but when taken away, he, he has a hard time. And I think you're right. He kind of sat there and says, all right, Mitch, let's just chuck it down the field. Let's play Madden and see what we can right. do. And that's when, you know, where we can see Trubisky make some plays, but at the same time, that's also when we see Trubisky lock on receivers and choreograph things for the defense, which Adrian Amos, as all us Bears fans do, laugh at him for not being able to make plays on the ball. And Trubisky gift wrapped that one for him because he locked on that from the start of the snap. 
Absolutely. And we'll get to that a little bit more after the break. But uh, recently, Windy City has started adding ads to the podcast. So we will step aside for a quick break from our sponsors. And welcome back, Bears fans. I'm still here with Bill Zimmerman, and we are still chewing through this heartbreaking loss uh, where the Bears lost. And I really hate saying the score because, gosh, it, it was as bad as it sounds. 10 to 3 in Soldier Field. Now, you uh, before the break, you mentioned, Bill, that uh, Trubisky had gift-wrapped an interception for Adrian Amos, and I couldn't agree more. But, boy, was that a twist of irony or what? That Adrian Amos, the ball hawk that left, that's on that's in air quotes, by the way, uh, that had left the Chicago uh, side of the field, switches over to the Packers and catches an interception that proved to basically be game-losing. Yeah, I, you know, if, with all the things to complain about and all the issues that we can see here, you know, I'm, I'm not, I know there's going to be some people who are going to panic about the season and let's not forget. They started off on one, one last year before they well, rattled off and went 12 and four. So I, I get that. And I'm, so I don't want to, you know, absolutely just say like the sky is falling, but I think almost what's more annoying than this loss to me is the fact that I have spent eight months defending this football team yeah. from a national narrative that I felt was unfair, whether it be to Trubisky, whether I, whether it be the Vic Fangio, all, all these, you know, Jordan Howard never should have been traded. All these things, all these narratives. And I swear, I, maybe I don't know anything about football because every narrative just was to the T and the national media is just, you know, Trubisky doesn't have it. I, you know, everything that we're going to hear for, for the next week, of course, you know, we can you know, that, that Trubisky is what he is. He's, he's not a quarterback that you can rely on the, the defense as well as it played, you know, the Vic Fangio strategy that wasn't there, all this stuff that, you know, it wasn't Jordan Howard's fault last year. It was Matt Nagy's fault for not being able to establish a run. Every single thing that the bears are going to be, you know, eight and eight, seven and nine kind of football thing, everything you, you, and at with one game under your belt, all you can say is it's only one game. But you cannot defend anything this football team did. And again, Adrian Amos, same thing about the narrative where Bears fans go, look, Amos is a good player and he was a nice piece to this defense, but he wasn't a critical piece to this defense. Uh, on my podcast, I had uh, our favorite troll, Peter Bukowski of, of Packer, uh, of <laughs> Nation for, for Packers on. And, you know, we, we talked about Adrian Amos and, you know, and he even admitted that Amos was going to be far more important to the Packers defense than he was to the Bears defense, despite all his trolly tweets about about Amos and everything when that went down. And just the fact that it had to be Adrian Amos, you know, I'm, I'm tr you try and separate your analysis from, from your fan hat sometimes, but sometimes you just sit there and go, it had to be Adrian Amos. It had to be Mitch Trubisky struggling. It had to be the, it had to be ev like every single thing in the nightmare scenario that you said, well, these five things would have to happen for this game to be a nightmare. And they all happened. And I'm glad you said the word nightmare because it really was. I'm right there with you. I've spent the last eight months talking about how Mitchell Trubisky, more than anything, showed tremendous growth throughout the 2018 season. Because, I mean, hey, at the minimum, last year, when he collapsed in the second half, we were able to point and say, yeah, 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 yeah. But this is the first year in a brand new offense that historically takes a year to learn. Well, this was the first game of that second year, and it was worse because the scripted stuff didn't work. We couldn't build up a big lead. I mean, hey, if we had the 17 points that we had taken into the second half of week one in 2018, that's enough in tonight's game. But that's one thing that certainly uh, just occurred to me is every single thing that we have found about Mitch Trubisky in the film work. I mean, guy, respected guys, not just me, who, I mean, hey, sure, Please respect me as a writer and an analyst, but let's listen to guys like Adam uh, Hodge. It's Hodge, right? He did plenty of Trubisky anal uh, analysis and came to the same conclusions I did, that at least the guy was money on third down and you could count on him. But, I mean, we didn't. I think we converted one third down this game. It was it was rough stuff either way. Yeah, and it was rough. And, you know, and we, we focused on Nagy and Trubisky so far. We focused on the receivers potentially not getting open. The one thing we haven't focused on yet, which we have to discuss here, is the offensive line play. Absolutely. James was terrible at center. He had an awful game, not just blocking, but making calls as well at the line of scrimmage. There, were, there, were just, there was miscommunication. A couple times players just went untouched to, to Trubisky. And, you know, he got abused by Kenny Clark. And this is a guy 
who did a phenomenal job on Aaron Donald at a guard spot against the Rams last year. So I know he's got the skill. Maybe they were right about keeping Daniels at, at guard and Whitehair at center. I know they've switched it back. I'm not saying we need to abandon this plan after one game. But what I saw in, in, uh, from the interior line was not good. Kyle Long had a couple sloppy plays. Charles Leno contrib- back-to-back penalties, uh, contributing to you know some some really shooting themselves in the foot. The offensive line was not good. It didn't give the running game a lot of space to get going. It certainly didn't give Trubisky a lot of time. You know, we all know football goes as the offensive line goes, and the offensive line went really well last year. And after one game, it was stuck in the mud. Absolutely. I mean, it went all kinds of bad. And uh, of course, there are going to be tons of people out here that are going to say exactly what you talked about about 10 minutes ago. Oh, you know, if the Bears had just practiced in the preseason and played their starters, they could have figured some of this stuff out. And I mean, that's all going by the wayside. But gosh, they looked so I mean, we hope the word is rusty. But I mean, at the moment, it's just bad. Uh, like you're talking about, they couldn't get consistent blocking on pretty much any running play, though they opened up more holes in the running game, I would say, in our tiny 13-play sample size than they did blocking for Mitch Trubisky, who really did seem like he was under duress all night. And that's part of what makes this all so complicated to talk about. We're talking about an, a soup of offense that was just bad whether it was bad play calling i mean who knows maybe certainly seemed like that was mixed in there bad quarterbacking again we don't have the all 22 we can't look downfield not to mention bad offensive line play because he didn't have a ton of space he seemed about as under duress crazy enough to say as aaron Rodgers was on the other side of the ball that both of them were scampering around trying to get away uh, and certainly trubisky i think handled it a little worse because there were some of these plays that Aaron Rodgers would he would see pressure coming immediately just dart one direction or another and flick the ball out for a couple of yards to a running back who was a couple of yards downfield not amazing plays certainly nothing that's going to drop your jaw and not Aaron Rodgers 2014 2015 2016 but probably a little bit better than Mitch handled it and it's all going to be stuff we're going to have to dig into because it was nasty yeah I, I hope you're right about Rusty because to me, the word I would use is lifeless. And rusty is better than lifeless. Lifeless doesn't get fixed easily. Rusty can get fixed. So let's hope it's rust. You know, if you want to blame the preseason, fine, go ahead. I don't care. But <laughs> let's let hope that's the situation. And not that's, you know, the, you know, whether it be, you know, Peterson and the Eagles and now, you know, uh, Petten and, uh, and the Packers. Maybe some people have figured out some stuff about Nagy. And he needs to make some adjustments. We'll see. And and the one thing to your point about Aaron Rodgers that I'll say, and, and there's a big difference there, and it's subtle. Like we see the amazing plays that Aaron Rodgers makes, where he just flicks his wrist, fires at 35 yards down the field. I still remember the throw he made against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Jaw dropper. It, it, it was that 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 throw was one of the top three or four, maybe the number one throw I've ever seen in my lifetime. I would say it was the best throw ever made, but the best one I've ever seen. So. You, everyone praises Rodgers for that. But the other thing that helps so much in an offense is, you know, where Mitch Trubisky gets a little, you know, a little pressure and just kind of flicks the ball out of bounds. I'm not saying that's a bad play. Sometimes that's just what you have to do. But a lot of times what Rodgers can do is find a guy in the flat, find a guy in a quick slant. He, he knows it's not going for much, but it's second and 10. And he does that and he gets it to third and six instead of third and 10. And he gets himself in more manageable situations to eventually make the play to get the first down rather than looking at third and 10 or taking a sack and it's third and 14, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Rodgers is really good and he does it himself. It's nothing that, that LaFleur or McCarthy or anyone does. He figures it out himself, says, all right, th- this play's not working. Let me just pick up four yards here and make the, make the first down chains more manageable. He's really intelligent at doing that. And as a Bears fan and just seeing him torture this team, Time and time and time again, it's infuriating. 
absolutely it's infuriating oh it is so hard to watch because like we talked about it just means that you get way too comfortable i remember this dawned on me i gosh i can't even tell you whether it was the second or third quarter because i mean we were at seven to three for so long but it dawned on me that here i was again hoping that the packers didn't score a second touchdown to put the game what felt like out of reach while i was waiting for an offense to jumpstart itself and i was like is this 2015 again is this 2016 again 2017 again like i've watched this game so many times where you're saying you know the defense is doing their part i hope the offense can get it in gear and it just i mean that's one thing that i'm not gonna come out and say some platitude like same old bears but Boy, I never started hearing that phrase until I really started getting into Chicago or talking to different people about the Bears. And this kind of looked like one of those games in that I'm sure you would agree. We've all watched games where the Bears offense has let us down, where the Bears defense held up their end and ultimately Aaron Rodgers prevailed. And I can't stand that that is the 2019 first game of the year, the game that was supposed to put us within reach of tying the series in the Bears and uh, Packers 200th meeting. And. I mean, now it's not. Packers have a three-game lead. Yeah, exactly. And to to kind of your point about watching this game and you know what you were hoping to see and and make you know you wanted to make sure the Packers didn't score. You wanted to kind of keep the Bears' offense within striking distance if they could ever figure it out. You know, just kind of talking this through. What this feels like a lot to me, and I'm going to date myself and, <laughs> and go nineteen eighties. Because when when the Bears were elite in that 85-86 stretch, obviously they had a stellar defense, but the offense was good. They had Walter Payton, Jim McMahon is a very underrated quarterback. They could move the football and score some points. But, you know, Payton gets older, Payton retires. You know, Neil Anderson was still good, but obviously he wasn't Walter Payton. Jim McMahon couldn't stay on the field. Eventually you got Mike Tomzak out there, Jim Harbaugh eventually. So when the, if you want, I can't really call the Bears a dynasty because they only won one Super Bowl. I'll just use the term dynasty anyway. When the dynasty was winding down, and I'm talking late 80s and early 90s, the Bears were still winning 11 games, and they still had a very good defense. Not what it was, but a very good defense. But the offense was dreadful. And you'd watch a game and you sit there and go, well, maybe Danell Wolford can pick one off and, and we can tie this thing up. You just start hoping for defensive touchdowns, you know, and, 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 you know, almost when they had the success of that 13 and three year under Dick Duran, it was because they were getting these defensive plays and, and things like that. And you can't have sustained success like that because you need the off. You need to keep the defense off the field. You need the offense to be able to eat some yards, eat some clock eventually. Cause you know, and maybe part of the problem in the, when Rogers was getting more yards, luckily not points was that the defense was getting gassed, you know, when the offense just wasn't putting anything together and was just punt, 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 punt. But it really felt like I was, it was back in 1990 and the bears were an 11, five team that really weren't a threat because they were just winning games 13 to 10 because the, when they lost games, you just sit there and go, well, the de- the, the offense isn't going to score. The offense isn't mm-hmm. going to get more field in this game. It's up to the defense to literally win the entire game. Yep. I mean, that reminds me of the Bears that I grew up on, which were 2005, 2006, 2007 Bears, where honestly, I felt better if the other team had it and we were waiting on, you know, Erlacher, Charles Tillman, those phenomenal guys. Those That was the defense that I grew up with. I felt better about them scoring than Grossman. Uh, and but to get to get it back to the 2019 Bears, let's quickly because we're very fast running out of time as we just try to process this total letdown of a ball game. Let's go. Who were three players that stuck out to you positively? Players or things they can also be concepts, and three things that stuck out to you negatively. Wow, I need to come up with three positives. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll give some guys that we can start with. So. I'm- one guy, yeah, one guy that got hammered in the offseason that I thought played decently was Buster Screen. Now, I didn't see a ton of opportunity. He certainly had one play that looked like it might have been defensive pass interference. But for a guy who was going to be, quote unquote, the weak point of the Bears defense, I thought he held up fine. 
Another guy that obviously just bears mentioning is Khalil Mack, who seemed to be all over the field tonight. Uh, obviously, I'll need to watch the tape for the second half because I see you shrugging your shoulders a little bit because, uh, you know, Mack often, often gets really heavily game planned for in those second halves. But, hey, the pressure seemed to be coming, and kudos to Mack for showing up and earning his part of $22 million this year. I mean, that's what you pay the guy for, but in a game like this, you have to tip your hat somewhere, right? <laughs> and... Uh, and then I'll also throw another one towards Allen Robinson, who, again, seemed to be coming up pretty much the, one of the only Bears offensive threats that seemed to be even remotely consistent. Obviously, I would have loved to see him haul in a touchdown pass. Wouldn't we all have? Uh, but in a game where it seemed as if plenty of other guys were missing different plays or things just weren't working on offense, uh, Robinson seemed to, to use a football cliche, just want to win badly enough that he was able to make plays that certainly seemed where nothing was working on offense. I, as a fan, sat and watched and said, oh, man, thank heavens for Allen Robinson because we needed that one. And, hey, that's enough to get a hat tip. Any, any chance you've thought of three by now? All right. So, so here's what I'll say. And it wasn't, it wasn't a shoulder shrug on, on Khalil Mack because Mack was bringing pressure. I understand he didn't have gaudy statistics. I, I'm not. I'm not going to knock Khalil Mack. The, uh, the Packers focused on him a lot. I saw multiple times where he got held, and I believe last year Mack didn't get one holding penalty against him. I don't know if that's true, but it's not many. And you kind of sit there and go, "Come on, refs." Let's, mm -hmm. I understand he gets held 25 times a game, and you can't call them all, but you, you got to call a couple. You got to keep the offensive line honest, and they never seem to do, and that's frustrating. And I've talked to Raiders fans, and they said, "Well, just get used to it. You just, it just uh, that's just how it is." And they're going to want to protect quarterbacks. So they're going to let that happen. That's just kind of the way it is. So I'll put that aside. Let's give a tip of the cap to Roy Robertson Harris. He had maybe his best game as a bear. He was excellent. You know, he got to the quarterback. He was making plays in the run. He had a very good game. I'm going to also give a tip of the cap to Allen Robinson. Like we've, we've brought him up a few times this game. You really can't knock anything the guy did uh, during this game. He played very well. And th I'm just, this is kind of a tongue in cheek, but, you know, struggling to talk to anything else. Bobby Massey didn't seem to have any negatives. So I'm going to say Bobby Massey, you know, maybe I'll want come back and watch it and be like, oh, God, he was dreadful. But right now I'm going through the offense going, you know what? Bobby Massey may not have been bad because Kyle Long wasn't good. Uh, and um, Leno had penalties. Daniels wasn't good. Um, and if we want to start talking about so some of the negatives, and there were so many, if I'm going to try and focus on players and not the, the, the naggy offensive game plan and, and Trubisky and, and all these things we've already discussed, I think the point where I just got tipped into the most, the, the biggest amount of fury I've had, I more upset, maybe, you know, irrationally more upset than the double doink when that happened eight months ago was Adam Shaheen dropping that football at the sidelines when things were finally rolling for the offense. And of course that happens. Now you're further back from the, in the, the from the end zone and Trubisky ends up throwing the interception. Things change. If, if Shaheen can catch that football, Trubisky put it exactly where it needed to be. It hit him square in the hands, right in front of his chest, and he couldn't hold on to the football. And with Trey Burton made of glass, this team has to rely on Adam Shaheen at the tight end position. And I did, I said it on my last podcast, my biggest concern for this team was in position groups was tight end because Bronicker's, you know, he's okay. He can do some things. He can play H back a little bit. He can, play special teams but he's not a guy you can rely on rely on bradley sowell is just developing as a tight end we don't even know if he's actually going to be good enough to, to be on the field other than goal line blocking situations and that you get to adam shaheen he needs to be able to play this is a huge season for adam shaheen if he does not improve if he still has injuries adam shaheen is going to be jonathan bullard next year and he's going to get cut because he cannot play from what I've seen, you see a little glimpse here or there, but he cannot play reliable football on a down-in, down-out basis, and that drop was terrible. To go ahead and just completely build off of that, how bad does it have to be as an NFL football player when you're begging for the referee to rule it as a fumble because you're hoping that he credits you with a catch and then you get to keep the yards? I mean, that was... That was just so bad. And exactly like you're talking about, it came at a key, key time, too. Because one thing that stuck out to me about Matt Nagy, and I won't necessarily... I, I'm going to go ahead and include him a little bit on that uh, 
three duds, if you will. Certainly, he seemed to make enough mistakes to make the the list because he's going to be one of the big names. We'd be we'd be remiss if we didn't put him on there. But uh, he seemed Matt Nagy seemed to get behind, uh, ba- similar to baseball, where you can get behind in the count. Whenever he one of the plays would fail on first down, he seemed to kind of get antsy on second down. And Shaheen had picked up what was that about six seven yards? I can't remember if there was a second down or a first down, but either way, it was going to set up a shorter third down and instead set up that third and long uh, or whatever down it was that he threw the Amos interception to. And so to your exact point, huge play, huge play that did not get made, a huge play that hit him in the hands and then he dropped it. It was all on Adam Shaheen. Like there's there's not a lot of redirection there. And you can only imagine the collective just you've got to be kidding me that the entire offense must have let out coaching staffs, players, just that they saw that. And similar to the way that take one, would sort of just consume a snap uh, or two last year. It certainly seemed as if Shaheen uh, made his moment where the last game we saw him in, uh, in again, eight months ago in the playoffs, he took, what was it? A third down and 10 seemed to have a lot of space and could not get by Craven LeBlanc. This was a very similar moment. And not one that's probably going to endear him to Bears fans. No, I think I think Shaheen's. You know, like I, I said, this is kind of a hot hot seat season for Shaheen. But I mean, for me, I, you know, I try and sit there and you know look at some positives. You know, there were a couple of the names names we heard, and to try and narrow it down to just three duds. That Shaheen play stood out to me, but I can't call Shaheen a dud when there were you know the, one of the top three duds. I should say. You know, and like you said, if you want to look at, at groupings or concepts to me and, you know, obviously they're the obvious ones, but it's the naggy play calling it's Trubisky's play overall. And it's the offensive line play. I'll I think put so. All offense. I can sit there and nitpick and say there were too many Packers open, but again, 10 points against Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to sit there and criticize the defense when they lost 10 to three and the offense seemingly did nothing. So to me, those are the big negatives. And I am, I, I already know I, you know, on Bears Twitter and, and some of the, uh, you know, the good names out there, you know, Aaron Lemming, I know works up Windy City Gridiron as well. He seems like he's kind of almost throwing up his hands in panic mode. I'm not there yet. And in fact, if I see some good things against Denver, even if they lose, because it is not easy to win in Denver. And we know Vic Fangio is going to know Mitch Trubisky better than anyone. So let's let, you know, that's some concerning right there. Even if the Bears go 0 and 2. I won't be in full panic mode because of the way the the uh, the schedule opens up a little bit after that with the Redskins and the Raiders, the Vikings at home, some, some more winnable games there. But you can't just look at this game, shrug your shoulders and go, oh, let's get them again next week. There's too many things that popped up that are concerning where you have where you can sit there and say, maybe this team isn't cruising to an 11 and five record like I might have thought. Oh, yeah. And I certainly tweeted as much saying that I don't I don't know if this is going to be the Bears season that I certainly thought it was going to be. But uh, I think you nailed before I talk a little bit about Denver, because that's the game coming up and we got 10 excruciating days to wait for the next Bears football game and hope that this nightmare ends. But we uh, I think that you hit the three big ones. Uh, Matt Nagy's play calling Mitch Trubisky's play and the offensive line really are the ones that obviously stuck out and made the biggest difference. I'm going to be personally very curious to see what kind of offensive game plan we see to attack Fangio's Broncos, because just as much as Fangio knows Trubisky, probably right about like the back of his hand at this point, you've got to assume that Matt Nagy knows how Fangio likes to operate. So we're going to get to see. I don't I don't want to make this about you remember how Rex Ryan used to be like, this is about me and Bill Belichick. Uh, It's not quite that simple, but this is going to be an interesting barometer test of, okay, was it Fangio or was it Matt Nagy? How is he going to adjust? This is a big adjustment game going up against a defensive plan that while he doesn't know exactly what Vic is going to do, he's got to have some ideas. I mean, he worked with the guy for a year. So I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in Denver. I don't think you can shut down any NFL season after one game. I've seen the Giants win not one but two Super Bowls after being really, really bad uh, for the first couple of games of the season. The Bears' talent is still all over the roster. I mean, 
for crying out loud, we're talking about a Packer game where David Montgomery certainly seemed to have a pretty good game, even though he was relatively underused. Anthony Miller, I don't know if he caught a football. But I think he was only targeted once, and it was yeah. late in the game. I mean, we're talking about an offense that, I mean, technically it has the pieces on paper. You would think that they have some talent and could build up from here. I don't think the sky is falling just yet, but I mean, we, we're going to have to see game two. And is it going to be a complete continuation of this or is it going to be something holistically different? We're not going to know, but one thing's for sure. This is not the start that Bears fans were hoping for. No, and it's not. And every one of those Chicago Bears and every one of the Bears coaching staff is going to have to look themselves in the mirror and, you know, dust themselves off and, and figure out how bad they want this thing. And I think they want it. And, but you know, what we saw was, was not good. And one thing I, I know we got to wrap up soon here, but special teams, I didn't love a lot. Forget kicker. I'm not talking about kicker. I'm talking about the coverage on special teams and, and setting up, you know, lanes and everything for Tariq Cohen to run through or whoever it might be. Not good, and we're still seeing special teams penalties. And, you know, the special teams unit was penalized way too much last year. For a team that didn't get penalized that much, the special teams unit was the one that was usually at fault, it seemed. And it, this, this, this first game here, we saw a lot of it again. You know, we had a bad penalty from Iggy. Uh, you know, Pinheiro, he did, you know, he did kick the ball out of bounds on a kickoff. You see things that just can't happen and I you know I'm not throwing the towel in on Matt Nagy I'm certainly not throwing it on Chuck Pagano who had a, had a good first game here but Chris uh, Tabor I haven't seen a lot to sit there and go this guy's a special special teams coordinator nope I mean, we somehow managed to make it, what is this now, 48 minutes through our conversation without mentioning the complete rampant problem that was penalties throughout this game. Uh, but another one that you you quote-unquote missed in terms of citing special teams penalties was Duke Shelley took a hold right oh. at that last punt uh, near the end of the game. I mean, you're exactly right. Uh, the special teams units did not look great throughout the preseason, whatever you want to take from that. And they didn't look great tonight, though there wasn't, a ton of, I don't know if there were opportunities or not. That's what all 22 is there for. Uh, but they certainly didn't make any plays. They didn't allow anything backbreaking, which I guess that's some people's standards for decent special teams. But there'll be another unit to monitor going forward. Uh, but somehow they managed to not be the worst unit of the night. And that in and of itself is part of the problem. Uh, so, Bill, thanks so much for jumping on and helping just process through this horrible, horrible loss with me. Uh, tell tell Bears uh, fans everywhere, where can they find you? Uh, thanks, uh, Robert. And I, I didn't want to do it at the beginning of the podcast because it wasn't a time to be like, hey, I'm so excited. But truth be told, I am very excited. Uh, be becoming a part of the Windy City Gridiron family, so to speak, uh, the podcast team. Hopefully be doing some writing over there as well. I think it's, you know, I, I think uh, Lester and his his group there is Barry Mann of, of Bears fans. It's a great group, a lot of great content, and I'm just hoping I can contribute. I'm really excited to be a part of the team. We're really excited to have in, or to have you on. I loved the tongue-in-cheek ability to say, where can they find you? And the answer is here. Uh, exactly. so. Don't follow me on Twitter. It's at ZimmermanSXM. You can get just dynamite content. Dynamite. But, uh, but uh, you'll be you'll be finding me on Windy City Gridiron real soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great rest of your night as best as you can. Yeah, you too, Robert. And there you have it, Bears fans. That's our instant reaction podcast for the evening where once again we watched the game just like you did and recorded this immediately. I'm sure we got plenty of stuff wrong, but I hope we got some stuff right and have given you some things to think about and hopefully both positive and negative nuggets about the team going forward. If you like what I'm saying, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. And also be on the lookout for the first WCG episode of Bears Banter, Bill's podcast, where I got to tell you, he does a phenomenal job. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me. <laughs> <laughs>